When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The Square Ball Podcast. The show is brought to you with Levi Solicitors. You can get 10% discount on your legal fees when you go to levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Hello, my name is Dan Moylan and with me, Michael Normanson. Hello. And so is Moscow White, Daniel Chapman. Hello. If you want to get all our podcasts ad-free, including early access to the match ball so you can enjoy our immediate delighted reaction to games like the Crawley match that we had recently, uh, early access to the match ball comes as part of TSB+. Plus. In amongst all that, you get a daily email written by Moscow's Fair Hand and a full digital sub so you can keep right up to date with TSB, the magazine, uh, the current issue, and all the way back to all the ones that we've ever done back towards 2009 when things were a real hoot. If you want to get involved in that, have a look at the squareball.net forward slash plus. These are always fun ones to do when we've had a few days to digest things like what happened at Crawley. Another one just to chalk off on the shit list. I think I got more annoyed by this the longer I've thought about it. Why? It wasn't even one we can write off as being a bad pitch or an unlucky goal that we had, we had all the pressure. Like They beat us 3-0 and just probably deserved to win 3-0. And that's not really very nice. They didn't deserve anything. They don't deserve anything. <laughs> they deserve to be closed down. I don't like Crawley. I didn't like them before the game. didn't like them during the game. Not like them after the game. Why didn't you like them during the game? Because they were winning. Oh, okay. Now that's fair enough. I was annoyed by that bit too. Yeah, it upset me that they were better than my team <laughs> that I like. And they ended up winning and it was um, annoying. Also, a special shout out for Marine. Thanks for fucking nothing. Yeah. We didn't ask much. That is the one thing that could have taken the heat off us, isn't it? But Could they? No. Not interested Bastards. at all. Were nope. Come up with a theory in the wake of this defeat about Bielsa and the fact that he doesn't quite yet understand, he doesn't have a handle on how the Cups work in this country to a certain extent that I think he, he kind of thinks you can do just enough to get through and put out a strong enough side but I don't think he's got a big enough data set yet for working out the the levelling factors of the cup such as you know Crawley will play the game of their life and then if we're a bit subpar like we were quite a lot subpar slightly weakened side that it really does make things a lot more difficult for you Are you going to suggest he should resign as Adrian Durham said? I mean, over, if, over one game, if you just go, if you're going to troll us, at least put some effort into trolling us, Adrian, because that shit, I can't even. I'm not. I can't, I've got no reaction to it because it's just so ludicrous. Yeah, he's got. Yeah, yeah, maybe he should. Yeah, he should. Yeah, I'm. I'm sick of the fact that he got us promoted, <laughs> a club that couldn't, you know, get those shackles off itself for a decade and a half. I'm livid at the man. I don't know if he just has more faith in some players than he should. Maybe in that he thinks 
he sees enough of Casey and Jenkins in training and thinks, no, they can do it. But it is it is a very different scenario, isn't it? Like I watched, we'll come on to it in a bit, but having watched the under-23s yesterday, they all look brilliant in that. Like you'd, you'd watch that game and think, not a problem. This, well, talk, this, lot, this lot could probably beat Crawley. Talk about it now because we're talking about it. They were just all really good. Like we absolutely dominated Burnley, start to finish. Greenwood looked brilliant. Down the wings, we were incredibly dangerous. You'd look at Somerville, we got a hat-trick yesterday and say, well, he'd be absolutely fine slotting straight into the first team, particularly if, if he's coming in place of hell. The cost was terrible in this. But the reality is he probably wouldn't be that good if he came in. I was looking through the photos from this game and there's one of um, Jamie Shackleton who's played you know, a lot of games now in the Premier League, a decent amount, sort of being palmed off. that He's got a hand in the chest by some uh, non-league brutes. And there was quite a few when we were Down watching the game. It's worth mentioning. Yeah, but when we were watching the game, we were looking at some of the close-ups of their players. I think it was the guy who uh, booted the ball in Alioski's face. And he just he had a very non-league face. <laughs> just that, for, you know exactly, you know what I mean. And you don't come up against those kind of players in... The under twenty threes. I don't know. Burnley's team seemed to have a few of them yesterday. Yeah, okay, but they were young in Lancashire, perhaps the Lancashire exception. Yeah, but they are young. But yes, so you're talking, you know, twenty eight, twenty nine year old hard bastards who are playing the biggest game of their lives. And I think um, somebody like Shackleton or Greenwood or who else, Casey Jenkins, who kind of are used to a more sedate atmosphere around the under twenty threes games. Um, people have been saying it for a long time, under-23s football does not prepare you for what the first team is like, and it certainly doesn't prepare you for what Crawley's like. And I don't think it's Bielsa is not unique for falling into that trap of thinking, this team should be good enough to beat those. It's, the, it's basically, that's how teams get knocked out of the FA Cup in the third round these days. It's not like, you know, the, the golden old days before there was a before they removed the maximum wage, when you used to have good players in Division Four, and you know teams would actually be decent at lower levels. Now there is such a disparity that if it's Manchester City's first team versus Crawley, Man City's first team are going to win, and it's always that little bet of like, is he going to rest a couple of players? Will a couple of youth players come in, and will those be the weaknesses? And the level to which Bielsa took that, particularly at halftime, is where we went wrong. I was mentioning this on the match ball actually, and I don't think I quite managed to distill it into the correct thought. But I think that's sort of feeds into it there, Moscow. It's like Bielsa's scientific approach. It's, it is so scientific that I think he he almost sees it like an equation or a formula where you can apply it to any given match. And while he knows it doesn't work every time, I think he thinks it would work or is likely to work because he's not infallible. Uh, he, is, he admits he makes mistakes, but I think he thinks he's done enough with his approach and with the players available to win any given match and it doesn't always translate into the truth, doesn't it? That was what I was talking about when I was on, about, on the match ball about like real world conditions versus the scientific way that Bielsa kind of breaks a match down. That's the point of football, isn't it? I think part of the substitutions as well was that he they were planned, weren't they? That it didn't take any account of the game. We could have been three up or three down or as we were, nil-nil and he would have still made those changes because he yeah. didn't want to risk Cooper getting injured again. He wanted to give strike a rest and it was, it was those changes that killed us because the first half... For as much as we weren't brilliant, we also didn't feel in any great danger. Like it felt like Cooper was pretty much dealing with everything. It all felt, if a little bit stilted and lacking the sort of urgency and fluidity we normally have, it was fine. What it needed at half time instead of those changes was to say, right, first half, nil nil, you've got fifteen minutes, go out there, beat them, 
so I can make these changes I wanted to make now. And that's if we'd kept the, the same team for the first 15 minutes of the second half with the instructions, get this game fucking won. I think we would have had a, a very different outcome. It needed Cooper in particular, but um, Stroik and it was Rodrigo went off as well. It needed those three down the spine of the team because that was the other big thing about it. It was um, Greenwood going to 10 and uh, Jenkins as the defensive midfielder, Casey as centre-back. It's the spine of the team. It's the three probably the most important positions and Jack Harrison on the pitch. And then, yeah, and Jack Harrison wandering into a completely odd um, scenario. So from front to, the, to back, we were completely weakened, you know, leaving aside the goalkeeper that started. If we just stuck with the, the strongest team that we started with uh, for 15 more minutes, but with that extra impetus of get this game finished because we're better than this. and <laughs> Get it finished and you can have a rest. Yeah, basically. And I wanted, and there's some, um, it's a bit old school, but there's some leverage there to say, you know, I wanted to make these changes at halftime. You lot haven't done what I asked you to of winning this game. Get it won now so I can bring them on like I wanted to and don't fuck up my plans. But instead, yeah, be able to stuck to the plan and it all went wrong. And it's true as well that the the goals two in three minutes within 10 minutes of half time adds to that feeling that we started the second half with nobody really knowing what the fuck they were doing. And the first things, I think we said it in the the match ball and you try not to pick on him but it's just the the situation that he came into the first couple of times Jenkins was on the ball he gave it away which you know it's his, it's his debut he's gonna if he'd come on uh, with half an hour to go and we were 2-0 up he may have had an easier time of like getting his first couple of passes right and then we're, we're better we were just completely disorganised in those 15 minutes and everything to me just says if we just have waited to make those changes we would have been looking forward to Bournemouth away that second goal as well, I think that Jenkins' role in that is is a bit of an issue as well because it's Davis coming out on the left and Jenkins is the pass that he should play and he has a little look and thinks, mm, not so sure, and he plays it instead to Jack Harrison who's further up the pitch and not the pass isn't really on and then it gets intercepted and there's a ball over the top and they score from it. And I, It is about having a confidence in everyone on the pitch, isn't it? In a, which is probably something we'll come on to when we talk about Kiko as well. If you've seen someone lose the ball a couple of times you maybe are hesitant to give it to them again and then it forces you into some other bad decisions. Were we a bit unfair to Kiko? No, he's shit. On the match ball? Is everyone being unfair now? No. I'm, I'm, I'm only asking that from a pure As a one-off, devil's if this, advocate. If this had been Capriel making his debut, I'd be sort of defending him a bit. But we've seen enough of Kiko and he earns enough money that when he's old enough that he's due all the criticism he gets because it needs to be better. And there's no, there's no point saying... He can't be that bad. He's won three Champions League. He has well, apart from anything else, I'm sick of hearing that because he hasn't won. He's played as many minutes in Champions League finals as I have. All right, Brian Clough, steady on. <laughs> it's true though. He has, he has played. <laughs> those medals in he has thing. played zero minutes in Champions League finals. I know he's got three medals. But, Same as Harry Kiel. But he has done nothing in those finals, so it, he does not deserve them. It was all a long time ago as well. He is completely busted. I think this game proved it. He is he's busted as a top level footballer. It made me think, somebody put a tweet out about kind of the goalkeeping mindset and switching from not playing, which is basically what he does all the time, to playing. And it reminded me that this is, it's something we actually flagged up about the Charlton away game where people may remember he called their striker a fucking N-word. But even before he'd done that, we lost that game because of an absolutely ludicrous Kiko Casilla mistake. The ball from a corner came into the the six-yard box, and he tried to punch a ball that was 
about three feet off the air, three yards off its line, as if it was 10 feet in the air on the edge of the penalty area. He completely flips his legs out behind him and does this kind of, um, as if he's diving into a, a pond and punches it about three yards to their striker who puts in. And I remember saying at the time, in a kind of a positive view of maybe he'll get used to it, trying to think of when was the last time he had been in a crowded six-yard box in a competitive match with people running towards him, bearing down on him and the ball's there. And it would have been months, if not years, since he had faced that kind of thing in a competitive match. And so his his reactions and his um, his his mental responses to these things just aren't aren't there. And at, at the time, it was like, well, you know, we had him second half of the, the previous season and then the Derby playoffs happened and then he's he's come back and this is the year where it's like, no, I'm going to be the number one and I'll commit to it and I'll improve. And it was October, so it's still quite early days. And the, the way we were talking about it then was he needs to go through these situations and maybe the more that it happens and the more competitive football he actually plays, the better he'll become. Didn't happen, did it? He just got worse and worse. And now every time he pops up, he's just, well, he did what he did on, on Saturday. Not, you know, there was one good save. We did talk about it. And um, there is a bobble on the second one, but I think Melier saves it. And the second one, we've seen that goal several times with him, haven't we? It, it, you can only, if there's an isolated incident, you can say it's hit a bobble. But then when you've seen that people scoring from that impossible angle multiple times against him, it becomes a weakness of his. Yeah. And then the, uh, the third one is very similar to that Charlton goal where he just kind of, it's a, it's a save and he just goes to, one of their players and goes in which always seems to happen to him and then there's the one where he's um, for some reason he decided to put Oliver Casey in goal for a while and he was going to go and play upfield which again is something that we've seen before so you know if anybody is listening to this and they are 34 I don't mean to write you off but he's not going to improve from this point and I would although one of the things that let us down in this game was the number of young players who didn't have the experience to deal with the situation I think we would make an exception for the goalkeeper and I would stick Ilya Kapriel in if Melier's not available just because we may as well let him learn from his mistakes if he makes any than have somebody in making mistakes, which it's pointless. You know, the, the only value in a mistake is that you learn from it and you do better next time. That's why Melier can be defended for anything he, he gets wrong and he has got quite a few things wrong this season. He needs to learn to like save a header in front of the line and not take it backwards with him into the net. He's got 15 years of football ahead of him, in which case, in which he can apply the things that he learns from this season, as does Ilya Capriel. If he makes a mistake, he can be better next time. There's really no point in trying to teach Kiko Kassir anything, because even if he does learn from this mistake, who is it going to benefit? Fucking Zaragoza B or whoever fucking signs him and sticks him in their, their third team. The fact is, he should have gone ages ago. I mean, there's several points at which he should have gone. He should quite possibly have gone after the Derby game when he'd had several mistakes in a row, but he stuck around. He should definitely have gone after the racism stuff was all confirmed and he was he was found guilty of that. But yet we continue playing him and make, watching him make more mistakes. So mm. as much as I don't feel particularly inclined to give him a lump sum for someone who has been found guilty of a racism offence and awful, it's probably time, isn't it, to just say, let's just get rid of him. And if we have to pay him half of his wages or two thirds of his wages for him to go and play for Osasuna or someone who does actually want him just fucking do it because there's no point and it and it creates such negative feeling as well like you sense it when he, you see him on a team sheet everyone goes Jesus Christ and you sense it amongst fans and players 
because yeah. Liam Cooper won't give the ball to him. Because... And there's, there's there's no way back from that. It is no. you're it's a busted flush. It, it, there is no way back for him. I mean, the incident where he's come out of his goal, like that's what he's done over and over again. He's what he did against Derby. Did it against Ipswich in the couple of games before the Derby game. He's an idiot. His mind is not correct on I, those things. Not... He sees. He obviously is seeing something developing that isn't on for him. But he thinks continually thinks I'm going to get to this. I, I do wonder if. Going back to what Moscow was saying then about you know not being switched on to the to the job at hand, if he's maybe just become so conditioned to being on the bench and actually he prefers it, he prefers being a non-playing reserve goalkeeper. He's given it a go. I think he's come the transfer route. We remember Bielsa saying, you know, this is great that we've managed to attract the goalkeeper from Real Madrid. And if he had come from Real Madrid and said, right, I spent. I don't think he was there as long as sometimes we we think he was. I think it was about five or six seasons, and he was number one at um, he was Espanol before that, wasn't he? So he he has played football, and if his his attitude was right, and I think it probably was, I'll come to England. I'll be number one. I'm not going to sit on the bench anymore. I'm going to be a first choice goalkeeper, and I'm going to the rest of my career is going to be a good thing. We'll get promoted into the Premier League, and I'll be a Premier League first choice goalkeeper. Absolutely fine. It's not worked. He needs to fuck off. <laughs> Because he's not, he doesn't even play in the under-23s. And so there is no opportunity for him to get that consistency, that match practice. The Papa John's, he's played in that this season. I mean, and yeah, it's... The, the wise old head. It's just, uh, he, he benefits nobody by being here. Uh, let's move on to propaganda then. A uh, bit of a struggle, this one, I presume, given that it's bloody crawly town. The documentary's not out yet, is it? No, well, no part of it is. I watched. Oh, yeah. I watched some. Of, I watched. Does the it first include part. this? It doesn't include this game, though, does it? I only watched the first bit just to see. Uh, part of the reason I watched the first bit was to see how this narrative is adding up. About this was always going to happen. He's definitely was going to sign Mark Wright. You're talking Phil- about yes for Mark Wright. Obviously, the, yeah. The documentary is about Mark Wright. It's called Mister um, Michelle Keaton. It's called um, the only way is Crawley. Something like that. Yeah, <laughs> I've got no other work. So I'm doing this is what it's called. Yeah. But yeah, the 30th of November is when the third round draw is. The 8th of December is when the Leeds Crawley game is to be televised and he basically signs then. Mm. Coincidence, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe that maybe it was it was always on the cards for him. But it, it, there's an obvious contrived phone call as well on him on his like first day to training when all oh, the managers oh the managers ringing me when I'm in the car. I'll answer this and it's the manager saying, "Oh, I just you deserve this. You're doing. You're a really good player and stuff. You think, fuck off. Um, but I did also find this was um, an interview on Crawley's own channel that they did, like their their own YouTube thing, and it's about him signing for them and why he's signing for them. And you can really sense his passion for the job in this. Probably continuing into next year, I'm not going to be able to travel and do much of the uh, job I'm used to. So to get my head down and play football again, it's a dream come true. He can't do his normal job. His normal job is to do shows on heart on the radio, isn't it? Oh, he's, he's still doing that in fairness, but it means like he does like showbiz stuff and celebrity nonsense, and, I, he, and he can't do that anymore. So he's doing football. I um I have also done shows on heart. I did a bit at Heart Yorkshire for a year. Are so you going to sign am, for Crawley? I'm just saying, me and me and Mark, me and Wrighty, basically the same, he aren't d- we? He did say in the documentary he had to work on his fitness. I think you may have to work harder on your fitness if you were to be a professional footballer inside two months well you're fat shaming me now <laughs> I'm just saying Mike Wright was always in fairly decent shape wasn't he? he he's a handsome enough lad but he does go on then to explain why his, his football career this lifelong dream of his didn't happen the first time and it's it's all too common amongst young footballers I'm sure let me guess did he get an injury? nope 
this really is my last chance and I've been wanting to do it for the last 10 years since I quit. I think I signed for another club actually in the Conference South a year after I quit and I couldn't play for them because I went into the, the jungle like a week after I signed. So, you know, it's weird. I've tried to juggle football as much as I can around the world that I'm in. It's not managed to work, but now I'm willing to give it one go, put my work on the back burner and put everything into, in, in, into this last, potentially last year of football um, at Crawley, the club where I left off as well. So it's kind of a fitting moment. That's actually the same reason why my contract didn't get renewed at heart because I had to go off and do I'm a celeb as well. In the jungle. Yeah. It's the way you phrase it though. It's, it's always amuses me when he says, uh, I couldn't do it because I had to go into the jungle. Like the Vietnam War with Pablo. <laughs> Whereas the truth is I couldn't do it because I was making a television programme. That's what happened. He could have said, if he was bothered about his football career, could have said no to the jungle. And the thing is about, you know, oh, I had to go into the jungle. Oh, woe is me. He, I mean, I, I don't particularly like doing this. It's that tabloid thing. But when I was researching him and Google always says it's either thinks you want to know who their wife is, but in this case, it's Michelle Keegan. So that's old news. Or net worth. That's where it was to put anybody's name in. Net worth. 10 million quid, apparently. This is very, his other job is um, property. He's property developing to, to make money and doing very well out of it, which is absolutely fine. But I don't like, on the one hand, we had John Yems all last week going, oh, wouldn't it be great if uh, if Leeds gave us safe? And it was a matter of apparently 37,500 pounds is what Leeds <laughs> made. John Yems. I was enjoying that. If they gave us. Uh, uh, Where's he from? <laughs> he's just a. South. Um, so, what was he saying? He was harassing us constantly. <laughs> harassing us for this 37 grand that he wants out of Leeds. And then we've got this idle rich substitute who the only reason he is actually out there, I'm surprised he didn't come onto the, the pitch with a top hat and a cane. Yeah, what the hell, boys? I just thought I'd buy myself onto the substitute's bench, but he's actually done it for free. I hope they're not paying him. If our £37,000 goes into this guy's back pocket for his appearance bonus for coming off the bench against us in the Cup, then we should be having um, the TV fees off Crawley. The reason I didn't get my contract renewed at heart is because they forgot about me. You know that? <laughs> it's the sort of impact I made. Anyway, well, he's earned it anyway, hasn't he, as old righty? I know there's going to be a lot of backlash from this because it's the nature of the world we live in. I'm from one world, people don't know that. I mean, the Crawley fans hopefully will remember me here, so they'll be okay with it. But a lot of people are obviously going to shrat away, be like, what? What's going on? But I'm here to play football and get my head down. And I've been doing it for the last two months and feeling, feeling as fit as ever. So, yeah, this, bring on this challenge. Two months he's put into it, so deserves it, doesn't he? And it would make more sense if he'd started the game or something. If he'd, if he'd worked hard for two months and really impressed and was out there and he's, you know, he's the game changer... But you can't pretend this is anything other than a cynical publicity stunt when he's brought on for the last minute when the 3-0 the up. Didn't even bring him on for the last 20 minutes when that game was won. That's how little faith they had in his two work, two months of hard work. He can't have been that fucking good, can he? And in the previous two months, how many minutes has he appeared for them? Absolutely nothing. Well, they had to save the debut for this, didn't they? Otherwise, it's not a story. And it's... Um, Sometimes people misuse that that thing of like, oh, it, it's the way of the world that people, I'm going to get a backlash from this. It's not the way of the world. It's because you're doing something stupid. <laughs> and taking away a substitute's place from someone who has been trying to do this for longer. It's not, and he's probably, well, he's no. almost certainly better. Some young lad from who's been kicked out of, of an academy and maybe higher up or whatever, he's been 
falling down the football pyramid. This is his genuine last chance to make it in football. He's there 365 days a year. He's not just showing up for two months of it. And putting all the work in and he, and he thinks, oh, fine, I get to play. I get to be on the bench against Premier League Leeds. This is my chance. Maybe I can make an impression with the TV cameras on me and you never know what, what that impression will lead to if I do something good. And, and who won't fuck off if Strictly Come Dancing are on the phone and you just go, ah, well, I know it was my dream and everything, the old football, but actually there's uh, I get to be on like a, I'm doing a celebrity taxidermy thing on on Channel 5, so that's, that's the football. I'll do. I'll come back next year for the football. If, if I have nothing better on, I'll come back again. If you get a big, big team in the cup. Yeah, obviously. Not coming back for fucking Bradford away. Bielsa's leads blundered in the FA Cup. Now they'll close ranks and recover. So says Phil Hay this week on The Athletic. Is he right? Terminal decline. That's is what it, I'm predicting. Is, is it going to be like Cardiff 2002? <laughs> That's Done. it. That's it. It's over for us now. Yep, League One again within a couple of years. I think he's failed to factor in Adrian Durham going in there and dragging Bielsa out by his uh, tracksuit. Catch up with that and everything that Phil Hay has written this week on The Athletic and you can sign up using our discount code as well where you can read all Phil's stuff, all the football stuff, all the sports stuff from around the world. Details at theathletic.com forward slash the square ball. Not news we wanted to uh, hear about today, but the news about Sol Bamba having uh, non-Hodgkin lymphoma. Shite, isn't it? That is shite. He was a good one with Sol. I always quite liked him. He went in a, a time of absolutely dismal footballers for Leeds. He was good and he was fun at times. And he chased uh, Belushi around a car park, apparently, which was, I think, it's not quite statue territory, but I think it's getting there. If he needed to push him towards the statue, he, it was the night he spent um, marching around the... Uh, the end of season awards dinner, basically getting in the faces of all our club executives and telling them off, which <laughs> was um, probably his, his finest moment in a way. Like as as good as anything he did on the pitch was just that idea that he actually gave a damn about the club, which was um, always the thing that was missing during the years. When he turned up, suddenly a player with an opinion on what was happening at Leeds United and the front to actually say it out loud and then the front to say it to the people who were in charge was all just absolutely perfect. He was sort of a proto-Pontus in a way, wasn't he? Kind of, He was that first figure that you kind of latched onto and thought, I quite like you, rather than all these generic identical midfielders. You're a guy who has a little bit of something about you. I mean, his friendship with Warnock should be a mark against him, of course, because we can't really be having that, but um, I'm, I'm sure he... He just humoured Colin, I would imagine. I always take it because remember, um, Berardi always spoke well of Belushi, and I think uh, sometimes you've got to say it, it's it's a mark of the it's a marker of Bamber and Berardi that they can see the good in these people <laughs> rather than um, anything else. Warnock has uh, has commented on this because um, Sharon, dear old Sharon, has been through uh, chemotherapy herself over the last um, couple of years, so. Um, Neil Warnock has offered Sol Bamba some of her second-hand wicks, which I'm not sure is necessarily the uh, the support um, Sol was looking for, but I'm sure he'll take it well. Returning to what you were on about before, Michael, the under-23s, they are doing quite well against other children, aren't they? But do you see Sam Greenwood having a little minor pop uh, via socials? No, I didn't see that. He, he quote-tweeted LUFC tweeting about his goal. Just sort of a, it was a kind of a side-eye. Just a little bit of a look at this. Emojis are very open to interpretation. There was, um, I think it was a kind of a grin face and then there was a shush face. So it could have been absolutely anybody. It was not. Just kind of saying, people say, I can't do this. I have done this. I don't think 
Um, there wasn't like an Argentinian flag in there or anything and or a, a cup of mate tea to say he was um, slagging off because that's the way it's been interpreted. It's immediately gone, oh, he's slagging off Bielsa for playing him as a as a 10 instead of a striker, instead of as a striker. He was playing as a 10 in this game. Um, it was uh, Bobby Camwell was the striker, who I don't think is a striker. And it's almost as if we use the under-23s to play players out of position so that they learn more about playing in, in different positions. Why that translated to the FA Cup, Greenwood not playing as a as a striker at Crawley is a little bit of a, a mystery, but I don't think it's necessarily something that Sam Greenwood's two emoji tweets. Um, it's a difficult tweet to interpret accurately. You'd have to ask him. The goal itself was not particularly good. It was quite, I was thinking it was twice deflected on the way in, so maybe it was to do with that. I don't know. It's just fine. He's just wanting to tweet a goal of himself and just, there's probably a little bit of swagger in it, of like, you know, shush to my haters. And that could include like the girl who like turned him down when he was 14, didn't want to go to prom with him or whatever. It could be absolutely fucking anybody. That's as likely a theory as him sending a message to Bielsa in that weird, uh, that's that weird passive sense that you keep seeing in clickbait tweets. It's a Greenwood message sent. I'll tell you what, I don't Moscow, even know what this means. I'd hate to cross you when you when you've got disses like that in your locker. That's for my haters. Wow, you really know how to shut a man down. But we didn't actually play any grown-ups in this either, which is rare because normally we've had the under twenty threes. But then there's been Pablo or Rodrigo or someone in there. This was a, this was a full team of children. We should emphasise as well that Burnley had a proper keeper in goal as well. They didn't use Bailey Peacock Farrell, so those four were actually uh, well scored. We had to try. He was. He did, in, must be said, have touches of the Bailey Peacock Farrells about him. And when um, uh, Somerville, when he dribbled around, what was it, four players, it did look a little bit easy. But I mean, you could tell he one of those, uh, one of the people who played in the Eredivisie and the, the three he was going past were probably at school that morning. Hey, good on little Jimmy anyway, because he's failed to really make an impact since he's arrived because of his injuries or whatever, hasn't he? So it's nice to see him um, hitting a bit of form. And it is still good that the under-23s are good. We just have to accept that there's a reason the entire first eleven isn't made up of under-23s. It's because in every year you get a player or every two years you get a player who is good enough for it. And that's fine because that's just the way these things work when you're a good side and you need to you need to actually have a top level of player in your team that you don't get one. You don't get a full 11 every season who are just brilliant, do you? And we are doing all right out of it with um, Shaq's is in the first team and who was Pascal Stroik has come from there and is a regular fill-in. So it's working as it should in that respect. Um, even Melier, if you like, because he did spend um, a lot of last season playing for them, getting ready to take over as number one ahead of time. But it's doing the job that um, Bielsa really wants, where he says, I want two first choices and then under-23s to fill in. So the fact that Stroik and Shackleton are there is already a good thing. And then we'll see whether Greenwood, Joffe, Somerville, Drama, um, Charlie Creswell, whether Ollie Casey steps up. It's all in the future and it will probably be one or two of them at most. And it will probably be for quite a while because you look at somebody like Tyler Roberts, who's still only 21 despite him being around for ages and he's still got his um, future ahead of him at another club. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh bless him Drama finished this one with a, a Paddy Kiznarbo tribute bandage on as well because he, he got shoved into the advertising boards in the last minute and 
it didn't look like a massive impact, but I can are only we, assume... We're not, not classing it as a brutal assault. Well, it, it was an attempted murder. As Was it Ferguson once said that about someone attempted to kill someone or it could have been killed? Um, but yeah, because I think Burnley have still got the 1950s of health and safety there. I think it was probably bits of nails hanging out of the advertising boards or something. He managed to cut his head and was down for quite a while, but hopefully he's, uh, he's all right. Uh, yeah, talking about Tyler Roberts, wasn't in the squad against Crawley. There's this weird, mysterious silence as, and the, again, Leeds have created an issue where they didn't need to create an issue. There seems to be some some wall of silence around why he's not in the squad and we are left with the two conclusions of either he's going somewhere else, be it Bournemouth, Cardiff, Derby, whoever, or he's had COVID or he's isolating or whatever. Why don't they just tell us? why? Why? What's going on with the, mis- the mystery? It does seem weird. There's not a particular shame around having COVID at the moment, is there? There's quite a bit around. It's fine to just say someone's got it Therefore, he's just doing his own thing for a couple of weeks. He'll be back soon. There's also no um, actual requirement for them to. It's just if they're trying to remove a level of speculation from this. If if they don't want to sell him and he's got COVID, just saying he's got COVID would be a way of stopping all that. But it feels like it's a mystery when it doesn't necessarily need to be. Yeah, creating one where one doesn't need to exist. Because yeah. he surely would have. Been, if he was available, he surely would have been in the squad for for the Crawley game. You would have thought. So you are led to the conclusion he's unavailable for some reason. So just, you know, well, tell, that's us, exactly, tell, tell us what it is and well, it stops, the, stops idiots like us talking about it. Yeah, I think it's that um, the idiocy side of it is where I always wonder because Leeds United effectively aren't doing anything and that's fine. It's not their fault that then speculation grows where nothing exists. No, but that's not, that's not true because, you know, nature abhors a vacuum, doesn't it? They've so said, people will fill the fill the silence with something, which is what we're doing now. Bielsa has said he is unavailable. So thank you. He said before the game he's unavailable and then that's enough. Anything else is just kind of fantasy land. He could be trapped in a zoo. <laughs> there you go. Read that on Football Insider. He's what does Danny Mills think about him being trapped in a zoo? <laughs> That's that is another that is another bit we need to add to this podcast as a as a feature. If we if and when we inevitably run out of ideas for what's wrong with the Premier League, Danny Mills has a shit opinion. That can be a thing, can't it? Oh well, maybe we could name it in honor of Karen Carney. Who Danny knows? Mills very literally describes a zoo. <laughs> well, there seem to be animals uh, in enclosures, and some of them look happy, some of them not so much, um, and some of the ones yeah. that the nocturnal animals are kept inside in the dark. Oh, the the monkeys wanking there. In front of some school children. Yep. Uh, oh, don't look at that, children. Look over there. Oh, and he's pissing in his own mouth. That's the monkey. I mean, not Danny Mills. That well. cage. That's just not sustainable. Yet, I mean, tigers. They they want to be free, and you know, you you put them in captivity for a certain amount of time. You might enjoy looking at them, but they'll get out and eat people. Your accents are my favourite thing. I think about this entire shambles of a podcast. I never claim to be good at them. You know who that was an impression of anyway, don't you? Steve Nichol. Yeah, so it can't have been that bad. The fact we've had to explain that just for the avoidance of doubt. Anyway, uh, Ryan Edmondson, is there a zoo in Aberdeen? Is he trapped? No, he's not. seagulls. He's come back, hasn't he? They've sent him back, or we've got him back. It's not. I think we've taken him back, haven't we? Because he's not really playing for him. He just comes off the bench for five minutes at a time. They wanted to keep him, was the, the word on the, the granite streets of Aberdeen. It's not the word from their forum. Well, no. Which forum is this and what have they been saying about our boy? AFC chat. They weren't very impressed. Pish was one word. Very, one, the what most Scottish that, word. What does that mean? Can you translate? It's pish. We'll ask Phil when he gets here. Um, he drinks it, doesn't he? 
There's still back, there's four, oh, back onto the monkeys in zoos. And- <laughs> four cans of tennis snooper that you brought in for you two is still on the uh, yeah, on the shelf in here. Yeah, I haven't taken those home. I don't know how I would explain it to my wife. But yeah, there were a few people saying he's not very good. But then he's hardly played. And we've had this before with loanies, haven't you? You get people who turn up and don't ever play or don't do particularly well when they do play and then they go on to have good enough careers elsewhere. So we'll see. It's impressive knowledge from the Aberdeen Forum that somebody says um, good news that he's leaving. I'll wager he'll end up playing for Harrogate or the likes. You know, they've checked out the, the Yorkshire candidates and picked one. It's worse than that for him though because Bradford wants him. So he might be going there to join... Um, Bryce Hosanna. That's the man. And they took uh, Jordan John Stevens, Stevens as well, well after um, John Sheridan wasn't happy about the way he was at uh, Did he describe him Swindon. as pish? He didn't. He said he needs to, um, it's something about he needs to get it into his head that he's got a big chance at a big club. I did wonder, it had the, the sound about it with um, Shez that he's maybe ranted at him about when he was at Leeds and Billy Browner was his manager and it's a huge club and, you know, you need to, you're you're not good enough for that opportunity. <laughs> you need to take basically. it seriously, like I did. <laughs> I did. I did. Rocking in pissed every day. <laughs> I had Mondays off training, and unless you get that into your head, you'll never amount to. This doesn't make any sense. I, I didn't frequently go out on a Friday night. That's what you need to do. <laughs> Weekend matches on a Sunday. Have you got a brother? Does he play non-league? Go play for his team on a Sunday. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll never make it. That's the, um, if anybody doesn't know that John Sheridan story, he played against, um, I think it was the police in Manchester came on at half time um, for his brother's team and was absolutely brilliant. The referee who was a local scout came up to me at the end and says, oh, you're really good. I can I could get you a trial with some clubs in, in, in Manchester if you want. He's like, oh no, he's all right. He's an Irish international <laughs> time playing every week for Leeds United in Division 2. Mm-hmm. But um, And yes, and then to celebrate that victory, he went out on the piss and didn't get back to Leeds until like halfway through the week. But Billy Bremner adored him and so just let him do it. Just let it slide. Uh, Julian Draxler, do you want him? Yeah, all right. He sounds like a, a Bond villain with that name, but I'm prepared to tolerate that. He's good, isn't he? I mean, this has come from via Fabrizio Romano, who's kind of a an international Jim White, isn't he? The transfer window seems to be what he lives for. But I mean, they paid forty two million for him, and they, he's also said that we'd have him on loan. But you know, so would probably about another fifty clubs in the world. Did we see the reverse PSG transfer news? Where yes, on um, Mauricio Pochettino's list of uh, incoming players. Yes was one Jamie Shackleton. Not not Jack Clark? No, it was Shaq's. Oh, I mean, it, it, has he not been queuing up straight away to get Clark out there, no? He could take Clark as well, re- reunite the pair of them, because there was, wasn't it at one point, um, I could never remember whose, but somebody's sister was going out with, with one of them. It was either Jack Clark was going out with Shaq's sister or Shaq's sister was going out with Jack Clark. I never knew how that ended up. Um, you know, I mean, maybe they're all still together and they're, they're very happy. Not all of them still together, obviously. <laughs> Whoever is together out of that combination, I hope they're happy. I hope they're very happy. And I hope Jimmy Shackleton and his sister are very happy together. And I hope they enjoy in Paris or moving into a, a big apartment together in in Paris. And if one of them's called Emily, it's a Netflix series, and I'm sure it'll be great. Super. Uh, what position does Draxler play? Attacking midfield. So it's a straight swap for Jamie Shackleton, basically, isn't it? Maybe that's fuck Emily. It'll be Jamie in Paris, and we'll make a behind-the-scenes documentary about Jamie Shackleton striving to make it uh, Mark Wright style at Paris Saint-Germain. Jason Knight and Louis Sibley, both uh, 19 years old, both Derby midfielders. Should we have them just out of spite? I think so. Put them in the reserves. Yeah, as long as we pay for them with like forged notes. 
Let Darby think that this is some kind of uh, we're their saviors, and then actually the check bounces. We're we're after somebody from um, Wigan as well, aren't we? It's McGurk or McGwork, their striker. Apparently, we've had a bid knocked back. They can have real money because I don't mind. I think they need it. Wigan too much, yeah, and they need it. But Derby, will um maybe we'll ask for some of their stadium as well because that's quite valuable. Maybe we'll make them have to break a piece off like a like a birthday cake and wrap it up and send it to us with the two players. Two players have to carry it on their backs up the M1, drag it. <laughs> My mate who has watched Jason Knight play more than me because he's a an Island fan and watches their under-21 teams and stuff, says he is a very Bielsery kind of player. He gets back and forward a lot and runs around five foot six. Runs like mad um, and can do attacking and defending stuff at the same time. So, so let's just have him, eh? That's some football knowledge for you there, isn't it? <laughs> that's a hell of a scouting report. Louis Sibley have no idea. Louis Sibley sounds like he should be in a, a boy band. He's very blonde. Mm. So I'm gonna. That's my report on him. I could picture it though, like you know, checking out what's on Louis Sibley's SoundCloud. Whereas um, we've also got midfielder from Middlesbrough, Marcus Tavernier, being linked, who always just makes me think of drinking mead. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, a midfielder that's been schooled by Warnock for a, a year is going to be just primed to drop into our team, isn't he? I mean, he he had a a year under Jonathan Woodgate as well with um, Robbie Keane advising. So I don't know. He's absolutely uh, yes. <laughs> Ruined, essentially. That's him fucked. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. It's the Ben White Derby on uh, on Saturday. Is it winner takes all? Do we get to keep him if uh, if we beat him? Do we want him? I think we should keep him again. Another spite signing if uh, if the chance presents itself. I don't care how much it costs us now. We should we should and we will take him out of principle when they are relegated and we are not. I do hope in his contract he had a nice a nice low release clause put in there just so we can he can sneak out of there for eight million pounds at the end of the season and we can laugh. Could be that one for specific clubs. Where it's uh, if Leeds come in for him, it's two million pounds. If Liverpool want him, it's two hundred million pounds. We should sign him just to be Calvin's mate. Yeah, it is a it, happier times over the summer, isn't it? When you could still go out and they could go on holiday together and have to be accosted by a West Ham fan in a beach bar. He still likes it, here, doesn't he? He still retweets and likes all the other players' Instagram we, stuff, doesn't we he? Have it, and, we have his heart, don't we? We've got yeah. his, his heart and soul is at Leeds. And I mean, look at. Brighton's results. You just draw and lose every game. It's boring. You hardly ever score. You just draw games one all they or nil nil. They beat Newport. The other Ben White's other um, former love. Eventually, it only took them about seven hours to get to the end of that match. But they um, 
they sorted them out on penalties. That was good, actually, to go to extra time in that. Get them nice and tired. Haven't they got another game? This is Tuesday. Haven't they got a game on Wednesday as well? Yeah, yeah. Is it Man City or someone they're playing? Yep. Good. Took them out. So in fact, they're away. So they've been away to Newport, then to Man City, and then they're coming to Leeds. So they're, they're on the road quite a lot. It's a long way to anywhere from Brighton. Yeah. Um, and they're without, I think they've got three or four players who are out, aren't they? One time Leeds target Danny Welbeck is out injured, which is a shame for him. I mean, I suppose he would have That's found a, it awkward having not so nearly signed here. It's going to start the rumours again, isn't it? Saying so he didn't want to play against the club that he really should be signing for. That's the one. Um, but they're also Terry Glampsey, who's quite good. He's their fullback. He's he's apparently out, and Connolly is also out, and Lalana. So if they can all continue to be out, and I think Ben White went off injured against Newport as well. I was well, certainly not, showing signs of no injury. No surprises there. He's not going to want to come and play, is he, at Ellen Road? Especially not with Calvin. That's out. true. We've done all the scans. Him and Calvin, both out, in fact. So they can just sit, maybe they can just sit in the South Stand together or something. Well, that would be contravening COVID-19 regulations, wouldn't it? And we've been uh, trying to clamp down on all that stuff. Maybe one was, of them, uh, maybe Calvin could sit in one of the South Stand boxes and Ben White could sit on the outside like he's visiting him in prison. <laughs> and they could kiss through the glass. What has he done to end up in prison? Uh, well, nothing. It's just that I want Calvin to sit in the warm right. and Ben White can sit in the cold. Yeah, prison is maybe not the best <laughs> metaphor. Um, what could we use instead? Just some other scenario where they're separated by plexiglass. A conservatory showroom. Exactly. <laughs> They're out buying conservatories. They're out buying a conservatory, some bifold doors maybe for their house that they live in together, and yeah. then they can have a kiss through that instead. Buy <laughs> bifold doors, isn't it? They're very 2021. Speaking to each other on a telephone, <laughs> like in a prison <laughs> or a conservatory showroom. Either or. <laughs> it's definitely a prison. Are we going to beat them? Brighton a week at protecting the lead so we can let them score. And still win. I'd rather we didn't. They're uh, also weak at aerial duels, so we can beat them in the air. So that's the thing. We need to get some Warnock tactics on the go for this one. Um, they're very strong at stealing the ball from the opposition, but we just keep the ball, so that's not going to happen. That's how I ended up in prison, isn't it? Stealing. And they're also strong at coming back from losing positions, which I wonder if that's related to their weakness at protecting the lead. We, so it sounds like we'll go ahead but they're weak at protecting the lead. So we'll equalise and then we'll take the lead. But because they're strong at coming back from losing positions, they'll equalise, but they're not very strong at it. So they won't take the lead again, um, unless they do take the lead again. And that's our opportunity because they're weak at protecting it to go back ahead. I think it's going to end up about 9-8 to us. What is he on about? Okay. I mean, I was fairly confident about this until we got absolutely spanked by Crawley. Nah. But we'll have proper players back for this, won't we? Yeah, we've got this. It's fine. We care about the Premier League, don't we? Yeah, one of the things um, in Phil Hayes' joke of an article about um, Crawley that we, we advertised before was that uh, Llorente might be um, back for this one, that they were um, he might have been in line for an appearance at Crawley. but they, um, and uh, No, he was in line for an appearance for the under-23s at this Burnley match, but they pulled him out of that with the idea that they, we might need him against Brighton. So we could have a... Um, a Spanish international at the back because that always works out well for us, and hopefully we'll um, there'll be absolutely no question marks over who plays in goal for this game because there's been no rumours rumours no. about the health of our first choice goalkeeper whatsoever. So we can all be very comfortable. Maybe we could send him out there anyway, but behind the plexiglass that Michael was on about <laughs> before, put him in a bubble. 
just a, mm. a protective bubble around Melier. I mean, I think he should. Obviously, we don't know if there's any truth whatsoever in this rumor about him having COVID nineteen. But if he does, I'm I'm livid because if there's one player that we needed to just in between matches keep in a very protected plexiglass room, a conservatory showroom if necessary, then it was him because the the merest little bit of hurt to Ilian lets in the clown. There was a great um not to go back to hammering Garcia, but the um Argentinian, Can do, it's fine. The Argentinian papers they said the uh um they lashed into him saying he was he was as good as guaranteeing a goal for the opposition. And they, they said uh, he did pull off that one save in the first half, but then the actual phrase was "bah." But then um, his stunt double must have taken over for the second half. Um, and yeah, they had absolutely no uh, no compulsion in, in saying that he he was absolutely useless and predictably so. And I don't want him to play against Brighton because it means that um, they'll probably score. They're good at creating long shot opportunities. It says here, and um, attacking down the right. Near so post, near post opportunities. Near post. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting seeing this one because we have had, uh, we do now have arrested Stuart Dallas and Matthias Click, Luke Ayling as well. So that might help. And they will have had what three games and, in three games in a week, one of which went to extra time. And Pat Bamford, of course, has also had a rest, and he never gets a, a break, does he? So, and he does a, a huge amount of running. We win this. Uh, we bounce back from the Crawley thing, and we win this. I think so. Oh, we were all that confident about Crawley, weren't we? Yeah, but you know. Being wrong before will be wrong again, but we're going to win this. But fated to it. I mean, the confidence before Crawley was always paper thin because as soon as they scored, it wasn't like a surprise, was it? it was just well, like, as soon oh. as those halftime subs were made, yeah. it was a bit... It was ugh. it was very 50-50. It was like, well, we should win this, but the confidence was only that far. Whereas with this, I think we can probably go three or four goals down and I would still think we'll, we'll be coming back to win. That's how confident I am about being Brighton. <laughs> Back to the Premier League, uh, the thing that we're sorting out. We're here to sort it out this year, aren't we? Because uh, we've realised how bad a product it is. I think the Premier League have realised how bad a product it is. They welcomed us back with open arms to fix it. And we're here to offer advice in that direction in what's wrong with the Premier League. So what is wrong with the Premier League this week? I'm so glad to see it back, by the way. <laughs> yeah, the FA Cup's worse, isn't it? Whatever about awful, the Premier League awful. is. Awful, Our FA Cup record, we've not, we didn't even touch on just how bad it is. Just saw some discussion of it this week and it is... It's abysmal. abysmal, isn't it? It's, yeah. For the size of club we are, for how bad we've been at it basically the whole time the club has existed, is laughable. I mentioned this in my YEP column today, Tuesday, so by the time this is out, you've missed it, so I'm not plugging anything. Um, <laughs> the 1950s, we were knocked out in the third round 10 seasons in a row, and that included three consecutive home draws against Cardiff, and they won 2-1 every time. Just a, just wasting everyone's time in it, aren't we? More mm-hmm. or less. We can, should we do what Man United did? Uh, was it the, the Millennium Year when mm-hmm. they went off, buggered off to Brazil? Could we, when we were allowed to go on holiday again, just go off on holiday and just forfeit it, give the players a week off or whatever? Might as well save the heart, save the embarrassment, doesn't it? Anyway, what's wrong with the Premier League? This has been on your mind for a while, hasn't it? I'm upset about this, but I think it's probably more your problem, Michael, as the man who likes to keep a close handle on the purse strings. It's something I noticed, and I noticed it at the West Brom away game, but it started to pop up on other televised games. The advertising boards around the pitch, the things that they are advertising, that's what's wrong with the Premier League. Do you have, do you have a moral problem with betting adverts? No, but fine about gambling. It's it's actually the fashion brands, Balenciaga. I thought because it was uh, you were 
deferring to Michael, it was the hair replacement. Well, no, because I I wondered what Balenciaga was, so I googled it, and then we've been exchanging messages about this since because it's a ludicrous fashion brand, isn't it's clothes. it? Clothes, it's like Matalan. It's like a very very expensive Matalan is Balenciaga. If you're not familiar with it, Calvin is wearing a lot of it in the um, Take Us Home season two around the promotion celebrations. I noticed since this one came to my attention, but it's just fucking outrageous, isn't it? <laughs> Come on, Michael, get it off your chest. It seems. Like a unique thing that the advertising around the pitch is advertising more or less exclusively to the men who are stood on the pitch because it's only footballers I can imagine who would be willing to spend. For example, you know those rubber key rings you get when you it'll say like Scarborough, like Mallorca, yeah. something it's like that, cut, cut out in the shape of the letters, and event you have it in your pocket. Oh, Moscow's got one. Look, yeah, that's all. Yeah, I've, I've had that for <laughs> I've had that for about probably fifteen years. It's a picture of a little football player, and underneath it says Daniel. That's your that's name. That's my name. He's yeah, got yeah. a little ball, little, yeah. r- little rubber thing. But what you find with those is as well because they're just made out sort of rubberized or whatever. Um, either the clasp will give way where it joins the rubber, or the rubber will eventually snap through torsion in your pocket, won't it? Not this one. Built to last, mate. Built to last. But for example, the Balenciaga, one of those. I mean, how much would you, how much would you have paid for that? Oh, a pound, two pounds, two pounds. So you might get one free off a two p machine if you're on the coins at the seaside. There'll yeah, be one yeah. of them. It'll- that's not free. Well, is it when you put about twenty quid in there trying to get out whatever you 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 I mean, buying up? Twenty quid would be a very very expensive keyring, and that'd be a full day of entertainment at the at the slot machine. At the, it's not called a slot machine, is it? The two no. p penny arcades, the two yeah. p chomper, and if it kept Michael's dreadful children um, quiet for a bit, he'd be happy. <laughs> How much is this keyring anyway? Come on, one hundred and seventy five pounds. It's a lot of money. Them. It's if a you lot want money. some of the other products on offer, there's one. It's a plain black T-shirt on the front, but it's got a Balenciaga logo. And part of the thing with their logo is, is it's terrible. Like the, it seems to be, it's, it's basically like a Times New Roman font or something that they've written it in, and then underneath just a few, few little lines, and they've, then they put it in big on the back. But it makes you look like you're working in like a mobility company showroom or something. It's got that kind of vibe of like a crap. A crap work show that you provided with my my stepbrother, the, you know the uh, the Man United fan. He sells chairlifts that go up and down stairs to old. He's a, he's a granny robber to all intents and purposes. <laughs> a scum fan and a grabby and, granny yeah, robber. Well, a terrible human. Uh, he uh, yeah. Ben Rooney's uh, dream job. I could imagine him um, poncing around the showroom in a a polo shirt with it embroidered on his tip. Four hundred twenty five quid for that. One of the more baffling ones is that you can get a a lanyard, and on the lanyard is. A fake pass. Yeah. So imagine if you were you were trying to get access, triple A access, uh, backstage to an event or whatever. To you a might, Balenciaga event. Yeah, you might wear one of these around your neck, might you? Like the, the, there's the lanyard, which then has a little clip on it and is attached in a little loop um, on the pass. Um, but what does this get you access to? Um, nothing. Nothing. No. Nothing. No. No. How much it, is it? It's it's a playful recreation of a uh, of a backstage pass. Um, the sort of thing you could knock out on a. Like a little, you can get a printer that prints these things out, which is how they give them out, obviously, for events. How much is it? It's three hundred and fifty pounds for a f- fake work pass type thing. Sort of thing you'd be issued with on your first day at a new job. You know, they're like, "Here you go, registration number for your car in there. Here's your pass that can get you into these bits of the building." One of them, but three hundred and fifty quid gets you nowhere. Maybe, maybe gets you a chat with someone incredibly pretentious. So, for the cost of half a season ticket. Mm. Which gets you into, I mean, obviously when COVID is passed, it will get you into, you know, 19 Premier League, the best league in the world, so they say, uh, even though we know there's plenty wrong with it. Top level football, that's what your £700 will get you into. You know, you get to sit in your seat, jaws all year, 
You can renew it for the year after, probably at a slight discount. We should, that, that gets you nowhere. I mean, we should say it's not our business what footballers spend their money on. They're, exactly. they're earning it, they can do what they want. I just find it personally. A fritz and a front. Ridiculous. It is. It's a confusing world, but you almost, I mean, stuff like this, you can almost just ignore the price tags because ordinary people aren't spending the money on it, so it's fine. If footballers want to spend £500 on a fucking lanyard, it's their problem. I've got to say, fair play to the lads at Balenciaga for doing this. Well, the thing, they're having a good laugh with it, aren't they? I was reading Season Zine is an excellent publication about football, but is superb on the crossover into fashion because it's edited by Felicia Pennant, who works within the, the fashion industry. And their latest issue, which just uh, came out, dropped recently, does actually deal with the Balenciaga, the, their football collection. Because as part of their Autumn Winter 20 collection, they sent models down the catwalk in their recreated football kits that Balenciaga have produced and their boots as well. You can you can get a pair of all-black Balenciaga football boots, which have the moulded studs underneath and are designed to be worn on the street. They're £425 if you want to And they look, it's worth those. saying, they look like the cheapest trainers you can buy in Sports Direct. They've got that Lonsdale vibe about them. But the um, where, where Season Zine always excels and where I, I, I value reading it is because they take it seriously. So they have a, a feature with people, football fans and also fashion um, industry people. Neil Hurd, for example, who did the, the excellent book about football shirts and now works for Melba, who made those Barcelona kits. I think he does their, their design work now. Um, basically saying, is are these kits good or not? Is it a good collection or not? And they made the very good point, which kind of loop, loops around to what you're saying, that they're selling really to nobody. These football shirts that they've made, they, they're an admirable rip-off of Borussia Dortmund's kind of retro 90s kits that are quite popular, and you'd maybe pay 80 quid or something if you were into that world that you wanted retro football kits. I sold one on Depop for £80 not long ago. There you go. They're selling them for about 350 quid, but they're marketing them, as you said, to footballers who essentially can get all the football gear that they want <laughs> for nothing. So there's just like, there's not a market. And also that the, the other side of these that the um, they pointed out in season is that they're, they're kind of, it's not only the downside is it's not necessarily just the cash that they're taking out of footballers' pockets for this. It's also um, nicking the kind of the, the street style and retro football movement that has become has been growing for a while. And they're kind of saying like, yeah, this is just a logical progression. Of course, at some point, they were going to just rip off the fact that genuinely cool people have been wearing Russia Dortmund kits for about five years. Of course, they're going to just knock out a fucking 500 quid version of it and send people down the catwalk in them. Saying it's it looks ridiculous. Like, saying it looks like a Bruce Dortmund kit as well is massively overselling it because it looks to me like the sort of kit I wore when I used to play like under 15s football in the 90s. That's, well, like, it's it's a pro star yeah. kit as opposed to like a Nike or an Umbro or an Adidas one. That was the one, there was some detail in what I was reading about kind of, um, they named the the original designers who who brought this particular style in and found the, the, um, the threads of old kits that they've actually involved in all these and saying that it's actually also, as well as being, um, a fairly ridiculous theft of a of a street movement, like quite a bad interpretation of what was good classic design. Like the fact that you would look back at those kits and go and and want to rip them off um, speaks to the original designs. Whereas this is just kind of is a pretty poor version. They did point out that walking down the street in um, in football boots is not much more diff- uh, more ridiculous than high heels. So maybe there is something to that. It's equally difficult. Lads, I speak from experience. Um, 
I've had a thought. Have you seen the Stone Island ripoff in the Leeds United shop? Did you do her own range? I'm going to say if Balenciaga come in next year to replace Adidas and it means that that thing gets taken out of the shop, I'm all for it. Charge a thousand pounds a shirt. I thought you were thinking we should do a spin-off range of t-shirts that are like 800 quid and just oh, try and market them to the footballers. Definitely sell them to those mugs. In fact, the squad did all get a copy of the uh, the Campion special, didn't they? Missed a chance there. We could have ad- advertised some 600 quid lanyards. Could have, they'd have always had one. If you feel like you've overpaid for your fashion brands, then get in touch with Leap now. Uh, Levi Solicitors are on board with the uh, the podcast and New Year. A lot of people doing a lot of house moving at the minute. If you are in that particular boat, because it is like Right Moves busiest time of the year, give Levi's a shout for your conveyancing. Please do and get your ten percent discount through uh, through going for us and sort yourself out a will at the same time. I'm um, speaking to the guys at Levi's. They do say they can't stress it enough get your will sorted if you own property or if you are in the process of moving house. Vitally important that you have an up-to-date will. Again, 10% discount available on all of that at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. End bit of the podcast is Heroes and Villains. Good and bad from the last seven days. The Ken Bates Villainy Award. Kiko Casilla? <laughs> yep. Are we just giving it him? It's an option. It will uh, shorten this section of the podcast. But yeah, he's got to have a nomination, hasn't he? Because... He's done, isn't he? It wasn't even his worst game, really, was it? It's just so tiring. <laughs> Having to see him. Yeah, just sick of him being around. As I said before, he's, he's like an ill wind that blows nobody any good. But that's, no. The, the, I mean, the point of that phrase is that somebody gets some good out of it. He's just wind. And even wind is useful. He couldn't power a windmill. Windmill would probably fall over. And his beard shit too. Fine. Uh, do we want to nominate some of the other senior players? Because we can't leave them out of it, because they were in part responsible for... Uh, for the shambles at Crawley. I'm thinking Pablo Hernandez, sick of him. Not good enough. Costa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Calvin. Sincerely, maybe not good enough there. <laughs> Calvin. Not good enough. <laughs> and Alioski. Ah, he's all right. He did okay, didn't he? He, um, he got angry, and that was more than a lot of the others did, tried to fight some Crawley players at the end. And On reflection as well, I had a bit of a go at Phillips for their opening goal, but I think it was, I'm going to blame a child now, I think it might have been Ollie Casey's fault, because he... It was Calvin's man, then Ollie Casey came charging across as if he was going to tackle him and then decided not to, and it meant no one did, and they scored. Blame a child. But they should all be better, and so should Bielsa, because those substitutions were shit too. So, resign. Resign now! Still not the worst substitution though, was it? Because that was Mark Wright. He can be nominated as a villain. Fulfilling a lifelong dream. That did just make the whole thing so tawdry. I know it is kind of a a patronising subplot of the FA Cup third round, but you are normally looking for that kind of, some romance, something nice. It's like, oh, well, you know, at least the plucky team uh, won and that thing, you know. It, the it, postman scored or whatever. Yeah. and Oh, they brought on a multimillionaire because he <laughs> wants to be on telly. Exactly. Oh, what a lovely story. It's <laughs> just for his documentary. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Because and, and he stole the headlines. And do you know what? All credit to Crawley Town for the job they did on us, which was fantastic. We had it on here, the tweet that he's, he... Post and then deleted where it was about um you you know never let anyone tell you you can't do something it's like well and weren't those the words I was sure and I couldn't find it and I'm so I may be speaking completely out of turn but I heard the post match interview with their opening goal scorer who had um, been was, let go by Tottenham was a crying child was it yeah and yeah. he'd been in a car crash he spent a year out of the game and he came back and I'm sure those were his words his words and he said that and he was like this is just this just proves you shouldn't let anybody tell you that you, that you I remember it vividly he said. It just shows you can come back from anything. And then this fucking clown... You can come back from a jungle. 
You can come back from from Strictly Come Dancing. You can come back from an incredibly successful television career that has made you a millionaire, and you can still do it. And I think that might be why he's deleted. I wonder if that guy, who is actually a proper footballer, said to him, oh, you fucking joker, you're pissing off next week. Don't be nicking, like, my heartfelt quotes from my interview for your pissy little documentary. And also, while we're on Mark Wright, the people who congratulated him were included John Terry and Eddie Hearn. I think Eddie Hearn and Mark Wright are basically the same person anyway, in my head. I struggle to really separate them. Cheeky geezers, aren't they? Tiresome. T- tiresome geezers. <laughs> uh, let's nominate Marine as well for not doing the graceful thing and beating Spurs. It was all set up for them. It's not that hard. Spurs aren't that great. I know we didn't beat them, but Marine. Let's nominate Spurs as well for not letting Marine beat them. It would have been the decent thing to do. Yeah. I, I, I did enjoy um, hearing on the commentary that um, Radio 5 were behind the goal. But that one was their commentary position, which is pleasantly old school. The first time Leeds United were on match of the day, it was filmed from behind the cop. Well, if um, if Jonathan Pierce had been behind the goal, we'd have had a full breakdown of commentary positions behind the goal since 1946. Pierce and his idiot sidekick need to be in this as well. Absolutely ruined what was already a horrible... I, I might have been able to put up with it if I'd had the dulcet tones of, uh, of a reasonable commentator who merely tells me who has got the ball and who they're kicking it to. That's fine. Jonathan Pierce. I said it all on the match ball, but you know why he's here. And have you ever um, have you ever had like candle wax poured into your ears? No? No. It's supposed to be like a, it's like a is that one a... of those, those holistic therapies, isn't it? This is what I imagined it'd be like. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Is Having that, is hot that... wax tipped into your eardrums would probably have been more fun than listening to Jonathan Pierce and Martin Keown. That's what the point I was making. Whatever gets you off. <laughs> have you ever had lavender oil massaged into your <laughs> Your inner, your inner you ever had a German businessman piss on you? <laughs> no, me neither. <laughs> but yeah, Martin Keown should only be welcome at RFA Cup ties if someone is going to twat a football at his head. What happened to Alioski should happen to him all the time. Well, every time he leaves his house. Quick nod in the direction of Gabby Agbon Lahore. Just ignore him. And we're going to mention it here because... Ignore him. Because... He doesn't listen to this and it's not in public and so he won't get anything out of it. But yeah, just ignore him. Yeah. Don't, and definitely don't DM him racist abuse. No, yeah. we should have, that should have been top of the list, really. Anybody. <laughs> don't DM anybody. Yes. Ra- in fact, don't racially abuse anybody. Yeah. All these things, don't do those things. It's not, it's not hard to not racially abuse someone, you know that. And it's really easy to ignore Gabby Agbonglahor. Mm. Like, there's, there's absolutely no requirement for anybody to reply to him. And do you know, do you know, do you know what happens if and you ignore him? I know how him? much of a hypocrite that makes me for banging on about Jason Pierce, Jonathan Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> Again. <laughs> but it's not, it's not going to end up with me <laughs> sending abusive messages to either of them because I, you know, I don't care that much. I can, I can vent here. Do you, and do you know what happens if you ignore Agbon Lahore? Nothing. It actually diminishes his career opportunities to do this. Exactly. So don't reply to any of his tweets, certainly with abuse, Mute. but just not at all. Yeah. Just you mute him, block yeah, him. You don't have to listen to him. We didn't have a choice with um well, we did have a choice with Jonathan Pierce, could have turned the volume down, but to hear the commentary, he was he was there. Whereas Agbong Lahore, he's very peripheral. He's not really actually in anybody's life unless you let him in. Someone even more peripheral who I want to add to tag on to this as well is that he, he appeared on the podcast when we played Chelsea. I never heard of him until recently. Rob Conlon. Now he's everywhere. That Rory bloke who does Chelsea things. Oh, he's so wet. Ah, uh, he's every he just he's got He's basically been doing the same joke all season now, which is when we lose, he does a thing of it saying, but didn't be able to do well every time we lose. It's become like, his, it's his one joke now that he does over and over again, and he's everywhere. And again, just block him, ignore him. 
Although it's the fine. problem is, we do have an entire feature based on listening to these people. So, and we um, do, and we do often engage with these people early on in the uh, in the, in we, the hoo ha. We do mention them right now with the the villainy award as well. Which so we're not don't don't do as we say. No, yeah, do but as we're we not do. interacting with them. That's the difference. Slagging them off in there. Uh, you can slag just slag people off behind their backs. That's what you should do. That's, mm. what, that's what I was taught as a kid. It's <laughs> what people did before social media. It's, it's the brave thing to do. Yeah, exactly. It, I think there when is they a, come in a room, just oh, all right, Gabby. There's a strong argument, you know, everybody in uh, America is complaining about being kicked off Twitter. Just go back to what we used to do, write letters. If you're that annoyed, write an angry letter. Poison oh. pen. <laughs> Post shit to Martin Keown. <laughs> Brainstorming ideas here. Yeah, it's good how we're, we're trying to uh, inspire people to a more civilised discourse and we've, we've arrived at the idea of dog shit through a letterbox. If it's, it's Martin Keown's letterbox, though. That's and, fine, isn't it? And what, I think Flaming dog shit. You're probably better off um, leaving it on his doorstep like it's a parcel, ringing the doorbell, and then when he comes out to get it, drop-kicking a ball into his face. <laughs> and that, I think, is the way that we will move conversation on and we'll, yeah, we'll, right. we'll reach a more civilised level of discourse. You're right. Um, pick yourself a Ken Bates villain of the week. Mark Wright. Let's give it a whim. Yeah, why not? Or Jason Pierce. Given you keep mentioning him. <laughs> and Mark Wright, just for stealing a young man's dream. Mark Wright and his Cockney chums, Cockney Essex chums. <laughs> the whole thing. And Tiresome. S- there's some sympathy for Crawley having their big day stolen by this clown, but they let it happen. So them as well, Mark Wright and Crawley. They are prostitutes to fate, aren't they? Very good, yeah. Thank you. Quite profound. I didn't mean it to be. What about the Andy Hughes Hero uh, Award for this week? Anyone? Anything? Ian Pervader did a nutmeg. That was all I could think of. It was a flip-flap, wasn't it? A flip-flap. It went through someone's legs. But he flip-flapped. He flip-flapped before. it as well. A flip-flap nutmeg. That was nice. Um, all the lads who didn't play, they did well. <laughs> Dallas. Dallas Ailing, Click, Melier, Bamford. A lot of them had a fine weekend. They did. Can't, can't fault their effort. <laughs> a great bunch of lads. Um, unless they come into the Brighton game and we lose with them in the side, in which case... We will lash into them even stronger. We can't even suggest playing the kids now either, can we? Because we've established they're all rubbish. Get Mark Jackson in. Play Serencio Somerville. And an honourable mention as well for Saul Bamba. He's not done any heroics for us directly this week, but we want to send you know love and positivity and, and good thoughts uh, to him. And he did chase Belusky around the car park. So I'm frankly happy to give it to Saul Bamba. For that alone? Yeah. I know it's not this week, but you know. And I'll do fuck all to help, but... Cheer him up, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it'll probably be more useful than Sharon Warnock's second-hand wigs. Yeah, so that's true. Does Parcel, if anybody's got any useless crap that they want rid of their house, it's been quite difficult with all the tips closed. Put it in a box, send it to Sol Bamba, and tell him, I hope this broken vacuum cleaner cheers you up and helps you. My vacuum cleaner did break fairly recently. I'll send it to Sol. Well, it was Henry. You know, the little Henry one, don't Well, he'll have a nice smiley face on it. He'll be glad to see that. I took him to the tip and he was smiling to the very end. So, fair play to him. Fair play to him. But yeah, if you've got like just a a pile of old wood in your garden, maybe left over from you building a fence, send it to Sol. (laughs) Send it to Sol. There's the campaign name. No, good luck, uh, Sol Bamba. Uh, We hope you get better soon and you can come back and send all this stuff back to everybody. And he can be the hero this week because there's nobody else. It was, it was Even a, fa- comes uh, close. a fallow week, a fallow week. Okay, well, we'll wrap it up there then and just point you in the direction of TSB Plus, our new subscription package. If you're not yet on board with that, uh, ad-free podcasts, all of them, and you get early access to the match ball as well. 
and you'll be able to enjoy our post-match glee when we slaughter Brighton at the weekend. Full digital access to the magazine, daily email from Moscow and plenty more. Have a look at the squareball.net forward slash plus. That's us out of here. We'll see you next time. The Square Ball Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.